This week, we learn about a local startup that helps fans order food and merch from their stadium seats. Plus, we'll check in on some other food tech news. Hi, I'm Karen Onland. And I'm Faiza Ramji. And this is Bloom, the podcast about innovation in Edmonton. Hi, Faiza. Are you much of a sports fan? I am. I love and appreciate all sports, but probably like many people, I enjoy them more when I get to see them live. There's something about the energy of a live sport that even if you don't really fully understand a sport, you can appreciate it more and you can appreciate the skill and uh, and kind of the sentiment around it when you're there watching it live. Yeah, the experience is different in in the place than watching on TV, although I do a fair amount. That's the only thing I watch on TV anymore is sports. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I've missed all of the prestige TV, but uh, <laughs> I also do like watching sports, whether I enjoy, uh, understand them or not. Some I do, some I don't. I haven't been to a hockey game for a while, but I do have season tickets to the Elks. And we sit way up high. So it was a long way to the concession stand uh, for us. So I was pretty interested to hear about Order. This is a local startup. Uh, it goes vowel-less like so many are. So it's O-R-D-R. And it's an app that allows fans to avoid lineups at concessions by ordering food from where they are, turning every seat in the stadium into a point of sale. Have you heard of these guys? No, I haven't done. I'm curious to hear what they're doing. Yeah, it's new to me too. So I uh, got a chance to to talk to Jade Childs. He's the CEO to learn more about the business, the deals that they've made with organizations like the Canadian Elite Basketball League and their recent integration deal with Spot On, which is a stadium software provider. So here's my conversation. I actually want to start with your origin story because I think I, I know very little about order and I think a lot of our listeners might not know as much about you as some of the other previous guests that we've had on. So tell me, tell me how this began. Absolutely. So just like any other Edmontonian find ourselves at an Edmonton Oilers game, uh, I believe it was January 19th of 2020. Battle of Alberta, doubleheader game before that. It was six on six. Goalies came out to center ice and was duking it out. So I was at that following game here in Edmonton. Like lots of other people, five minutes left in the first period. Great idea. I'm going to get out of my seat, skip the last five minutes, and, and beat the big rush. Uh, not only a minute or two after I left my seat, I'm in line with another 40 people who have the same <laughs> idea as me. And the crowd behind me goes nuts. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? Because I'm one of the least lucky sports fans. I'm missing goals, penalties, fights. <laughs> and so on this 45-inch screen TV from 10 feet or 20 feet back, I see Nuge and Hopkins duking it out with one of the Calgary Flames guys. And Nuge, not a, not a prominent fighter for no. the Oilers. It was a moment that I missed. And that was standing in line. Light bulb moment came off. And I said, you know, how... In 2020, do we still have these issues with all the technical advancements? You can, you know, tap one button and you have a car that shows up. You tap one button, your hotel is booked, but I can't order ahead or have my order delivered to me. So that was the conceptualization of order. The timing is interesting too, January 2020. You had a, like a couple months to to kind of 
stew on this idea and then the pandemic hit. So how did that affect things? It was perfect because as we did market research, we found that there was quite a few people in the market who didn't have a, a monopolistic share. Um, and so it was the, the best timing we could have had. So we actually built the company through the pandemic and launched it on the tail end while our competition was hemorrhaging capital to keep their doors open while all of these venues were closed across the globe. Interesting. Now you have a co-founder, Evan Wayne. How did you guys find each other? Uh, Evan and I have a mutual friend and I went out for coffee with him a few times a month. Uh, started talking to him about this idea and he said, yeah, you know, maybe you should talk to my buddy. He's uh, He teaches computer sciences out in Leduc um, and connected us too. And we, I, I told him what I was working on and he was sold. He's a big sports fan. So how did you find your first customer? Um, so essentially, we had quite a bit of interest from the get-go. We had a minimum viable product that worked loosely as we were making our way towards our fully finished product. So we did do market research and re reach out to a number of people. Uh, and that's where we initiated conversations with the Canadian Elite Basketball League. We actually had solidified a deal with them before our app was even in the app stores, which was awesome. Uh, and we followed through on our end having a, a great product ready for their season opener. And um, we went from there. So people who went to Stingers games could use order this past season? Yes. And so with the Canadian League Basketball League, they, in some circumstances, control the, the purchasing of their merchandise. But if they're in a venue that is controlled externally where they're leasing space or renting space within the building, we'd have to approach the, the food and beverage director within the venue. So what is your business model? Is, is your customer purely like that stadium or league or, or whoever controls those purse strings? Or are you t also taking a, like a, a, a cut of each transaction? So unlike other transactional softwares like Skip the Dishes, DoorDash, Uber Eats, we don't take commissions off of the goods that were sold through our app. Uh, however, we push those small transaction fees to the customer for that premium uh, experience of being able to skip the line and having that delivered to your seat. This um, integration was spot on. What's that going to mean for your company? Uh, so spot on has approximately 1500 venues globally. When you enter into any new venue in any new space, you can uh, essentially operate the order system one of two ways. It's the standalone system where we're supplying the tablets and you run the order software through our own payment provider and our own gateway. If we're not supplying the tablets, we would be integrating into their software. And because SpotOn has quite a large majority share of the sports and venue market, we can essentially flick a switch. Our system pulls all of the food and beverage data, pricing, descriptions, images, and inventory so that that takes that big, uh, big challenge off of their plate. Right. So we flick a switch and then we're operational within that spot on venue. They've got the real estate, they've got the uh, payment processor and everything else. Um, and then it doesn't add an additional layer of frustrations having to have three screens you've got the order screen you've got the beverage screen and the food screen all in one stand uh it's collectively one with spot on so are there, are there like 
trade shows or meetups you go to to like for in the in the stadium sports software space? For Spot On in particular, it was uh, an initial cold email outreach, just letting them know what we do. Um, and then we curated that conversation over the course of a, a few months to get to that point. Uh, we did get back from New York about a month ago. We did uh, the ALSD conference, which is the uh, luxury suites, NFL, MLB, NBA. They were all down there, the Marriott Hotel. And so we did tours of Barclay Arena and UBS Arena, and we got to mix and mingle with uh, all the leagues in, in one individual place. Wow. Now. Your website also talks about order for restaurants. Is that something that you're pursuing? It just feels like that you've got a lot more traction on the stadium side of things. Yeah. So when we initially developed the order concept, we felt as though we had architected the software to be nimble in terms of the niches that we went after. We later found out that, you know, the, the largest need to be met is the in-venue experience. So we we kind of pushed the restaurants to the side and we'll soon be updating our website to reflect our pursuit of only venues. It's it's a story that we've heard over and over again on on Bloom actually where people think that they've got the right uh customer and then you do some experimentation and you find out actually it's somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, that, but your origin story is is really in the state or in the arena, right? Exactly, and I mean, you know, for future we can we can pivot the model to restaurants. We can pivot the model to malls. If you're at a shopping mall, it's lunchtime. We've got large lines. You've got three kids. One wants A and W, McDonald's, in New York. You don't have to worry about standing in three lines. Similarly, uh, staff within those malls have a very finite amount of time on their breaks and. They don't want to be spending, you know, their their lunchtime standing as they're likely standing all day. Uh, so having that technology to be able to place an order ahead of time, be notified when it's ready for pickup, take your lunch break on the minute. You're, you've already purchased your food and you can just go right back to, to really maximizing your, your break. We can do that for airports. You're going through uh, security, order yourself a Starbucks or a second cup before security. You get on the other side, you don't have to worry about a big, you know, big line, grab your coffee onto the plane and you're good to go. Mm. We've architected it to be quite nimble, but in terms of our focus right now, we're solely on venues and plan to be there for quite a while. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of venues and people are seeing sports again, so it's good timing. Exactly. What's your background? How How did you end up doing this? In terms of business, I started a uh, dropshipping headlight company uh, a number of years ago where I, I drove to and from work quite a few hours a day. So I drive at six o'clock in the morning, it's dark out at night. Uh, so I wanted a set of nice LED headlights. I went and purchased them from a, a local part shop. It cost me 300 bucks. And I said, there's no way that a light bulb could go for $300. So I did. <laughs> and found a few wholesalers out of Malaysia, purchased some of their products, tested them on my vehicles, which ones lasted the longest, which ones were the brightest, which ones were the most safe and all that stuff. Once I found a winning product, I built a little bit of a website uh, around that product and then uh, started running ads to it. From there, I bridged off to a local uh, startup called Loader Up, 
which was uh, uh, an Uber meets delivery kind of model, where if you were looking to have a couch off of Kijiji delivered to your house, you would use our app. And that's where I really fell on the technical side. And that's bringing on Evan as my co-founder and technical co-founder. That's what I was looking for out of this is bringing somebody from a technical background because we never had a fully finished app that was in the app store that worked how it should. So uh, yeah, I, have, I have a little bit of experience in, in the tech world and in business that I've brought over and it's helped out quite a bit. Are there other lessons that you've learned from your previous inventors in business that you're applying now? Yeah, absolutely. In terms of, uh, you know, legal costs up front, not burning through tens of thousands of dollars to get contracts and, and uh, agreements in place right out uh, right off the get-go versus building the business up and getting by with templates and whatever have you until you have a sustainable business model and then it's starting to generate revenue at which time you can then spend money and you make sure you're spending money on a good lawyer and all that. Yeah. Are you at that point right now? Because you've got some pretty big deals going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we've been there for quite a while. Uh, it's just that initial three to six months mm-hmm. post- or uh, post-creation of your numbered company. Just get done what needs to be done and then hold off on those larger expenses until a little bit down the line. So what's the roadmap ahead? I guess my main question is, are you planning to fund your growth through investment or sales or both? Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a little bit of both. So our trajectory is to bring on two venues per month. Uh, so this month, we've got the ECHL team, the Allen Americans and the Toronto Rock of the National Lacrosse League coming on board. Uh, we have a meeting with Rogers Place sometime in September. And then we do have a few uh, few other opportunities heading our way with the, the Oak View Group. They're a large uh, venue management and consulting firm with uh, operations both in Canada and the U.S. Uh, and our core team does have connections and working relationships with people within that, uh, within that OVG group. So we'll be leveraging that and that'll be 12 venues in Canada. And if that pilot goes well, then we have an additional 20, 30 venues in the States that we can go over as well. One, uh, one exciting case study we had, uh, so we were operational out of the Edmonton Expo Center for the Edmonton Stingers. Uh, our first fully activated event, we actually had 56% of all revenue spent within that facility was through the, the order app. Wow. Uh, there, we essentially, we maintain that uh, similar trajectory up and down a few degrees. It, it blew my mind to hit roughly 10 times of our three-year projections. We're aiming for roughly 50% um, within three years uh, within our first fully activated event. So it, it was it was that wow fact. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're in some places already in the States. You're in That's three. Right. Tell, yeah, tell so we're, we're in uh, Chicago, uh, Illinois. We're in uh, Gwinnett, Georgia. And then we're in Dallas, Texas. So we're with the Panther City lacrosse team in Fort Worth, the Gwinnett Stripers, who are a minor league ball team out of Gwinnett, and then the uh, Chicago Sky of WNBA in Illinois. And is this the kind of thing where you provide people with a good experience in one place and word spreads to everyone else, say, hey, we should get this? Yes, it's that organic 
growth of having, you know, somebody sit beside you, have food delivered to them and saying, how the heck did you do that? Yeah. Well, it's order and, uh, and it, it spreads quite quickly. That saves you on marketing. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and skipping the lines, you're standing in line and you see somebody cut right in front of everybody and you're thinking, what the heck are you doing? And they're, they're just using the order app. Have you taken on investment yet? Yeah, we've raised roughly a million dollars. So that to, to st- start out the business, it was just friends and family raised uh, just over $100,000 from. And then from there, we got investment from a few external angels. And, and are you going to keep going through that sort of seed Series A, Series B gauntlet? Yeah. So right now we're doing a $250,000 bridge that'll hold us out to December. And we're hoping to have a, a, a seed stage investment of $3.7 million for December. What has made Edmonton a good place to build order in? I think the, the energy of being downtown, we're right on Jasper Avenue and Scotia Place. Um, it's been a really positive experience in terms of the the energy. It's a very similar energy you get in the Vancouver's and the San Francisco's when you're right in the heart of downtown. Um, also, you know, piloting in the Edmonton Expo Center, it's it's local venues, local companies who are going to be supporting us here. Yeah. Uh, and Rogers Place will be, uh, you know, fingers crossed they come on board. They'll be our first AAA venue that come, comes on board. That would be pretty awesome. We did a story a little while ago about them um, bringing in Fort Distilleries uh, cocktails. So they they are suddenly kind of interested in buying local. So maybe most of your customers, that's not your play, but maybe here. Yeah, for sure. What's been challenging about building order in Edmonton? It, it's it's the perception and the education that the technology is actually out there and it's getting that word out. Um, so, you know, if we're starting, if we're boots on the ground, we're handing out pamphlets or little coupons that say, hey, download the app, get 20% off. Um, and talking to people in line that don't know about us, hey, you're at the very back of the line. If you can order before the person behind you, you'll, you're, you're going to get your food before them guaranteed. So they'll yeah. step on the line, they'll download it. And that's how we actually brought on our uh, chief business officer, who's uh, Patrick LaForge, of the ex-CEO of the Edmonton Oilers. He was at the Spruce Grove Saints uh, AJHL game. He saw one of our signs. He was standing in line, scanned the QR code, stepped out of line, but was looking at where he was standing in line, placed his order, and he picked up his food before the person in front of him had even gotten to the till to order, and that kind of clicked for him. He's like, okay, this is cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so is he working with you now? Yeah, yeah. Patrick is working with us. That's a pretty big name to get. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. We're really happy to have him. What's next for you? Uh, so we're, we're going to double down on the venues that we currently have, slow down our growth. We grew from one to 15 or 20 venues in a very short amount of time. Um, I love using the, the Uber metaphor of I'd rather be in one city doing 1,000 rides a day than in 1,000 cities each doing one ride per day. Mm-hmm really hone in on those deployment practices and the customer acquisitions and making sure everybody is comfortable and knows how to use our technology and if not we need to make it easier so that's the foreseeable future goals and then after that we can do a larger expansion well thanks and uh we'll look forward to seeing what order gets up to thank you very much for uh, for having me 
So if it seems like order came out of nowhere, that was apparently by design. What what do you think about developing a startup in stealth mode? Uh, I think it's interesting. I think as a founder who started her brand in stealth mode, um, I think it allows you to stay focused on what you're doing rather than getting distracted by noise and also getting distracted by things that maybe aren't a priority right now. So I think it's it's a better way to kind of do what you know you need to do rather than kind of let your ego get in the way or let fear get in the way or things like that. So uh, I, I I applaud them for doing this in stealth. Yeah, I think it's there's stealth and there's stealth maybe because it feels like they were, I think what when startup advisors advise against stealth mode, what they're trying to keep you from doing is uh, getting kind of down into the weeds without ever talking to customers because mm. being out of stealth mode and out there allows you to get feedback, um, whether it be from people who might have good advice for you or people who might want to buy what you're, you're, uh, you're selling or not buy what you're selling, which is probably more instructive. So it feels like maybe like they didn't like, turn up at every uh, local startup event uh, pitching themselves, but they were talking to customers. Yeah. And I think even just the obviousness of their aha moment of why this should even exist and then raising money from friends and family, you know, or in a friends and family round, not necessarily all friends and family. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. you're right that they probably chatted with enough people to validate the problem that they're trying to solve without getting bogged down in things like activations or like just keeping up with, with the Twitter conversations and things like that. So likely more focused on the right things. The use case that they have is pretty clear to me. Like I, I myself would like my hot dog brought to me wherever I'm sitting. Um, But as is the case with good ideas, there's competition in the space. So I I talked to Jade a little bit about this uh, after we turned off the mics. And there's a bunch of startups in this space like Yin's Cam, Stadium, Drop, Seat Serve. Do you think it's good news or bad news that uh, for order that there's so much competition out there? I honestly think it's good news. I think we've come far enough that we've seen where things like this could go wrong, but because there's no direct competition or when there's no direct competition, you still don't know. And it's kind of like Adam Grant's book, Originals. You know, there's a there's a huge advantage to being second to market rather than being first to market. And it, one of the biggest things is that you allow everybody else to make the major mistakes. Um, and so if, if order can learn from the competition, uh, if they can attract really good talent, and if they can make some of these key partnerships, which seems like they're doing all those things, then I think they can come out slightly ahead of some of those competitors and maybe even start to think about what problems could present themselves better at scale um, Mm. and solve for those now. So I I think it's good to have competition. It also means adoption comes a lot faster because your marketing dollars, you don't need to be the only one spending marketing dollars. Everybody else is doing it as well to highlight the problem. Yeah, that's a good point. And also, uh, it's an interesting thing you say about like seeing what the problems are at scale by watching what other people do, because this is, this idea is simple, but the execution is not. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way Jade put it is that they're, they're not an app company, actually. They're a logistics company because they're not just making a thing that you can magically order the stuff in. They are... Uh, 
they've got these contractors that actually do the the sell the delivery and and all that kind of stuff so there's a lot of um fulfilling and delivering and transactional stuff that they've they've got to make work as well yeah it's like their own uh, third party logistics that they're managing but i think it's interesting because like we've heard on this podcast so many times you know as a company starts to get bigger and starts to get some really interesting customers they find where they fit and where they don't fit and sometimes that's a bit of a pivot and sometimes it's not and so i think with order it will be you know right now they have a specific way of doing things but again as they grow and scale i'll be curious to see how some of those initial assumptions change or where they find their niche and there might be something really surprising that they they didn't expect and you know again based on past experience here on this podcast i can almost guarantee it that there's going to be something they didn't think about that is going to end up being you know really that game changer for them yeah i think that's right well let's take a break and when we come back we'll share some news we've noticed about a food tech company that we told you about uh, earlier this season Bloom is brought to you by Innovate Edmonton. Here's a message from our sponsor. The world needs what Edmonton offers. A vibrant city of risk takers committed to tackling global challenges like the climate emergency, public health, food security, digital inclusion, social justice, and reconciliation. Edmonton-based solutions are exactly what international markets demand and where investors want to deploy capital. At Innovate Edmonton, we're positioning our city as an inclusive global innovation capital, supporting innovators of all stripes and putting innovation into the public realm with our groundbreaking new downtown home. Check us out today at innovateedmonton.com. This episode of Bloom is also brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, You are calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online, anytime, on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. So back in episode 23, we talked about Truffle, which is a food tech company that had just secured $2.3 million in investment for its restaurant software. And I have some news about them. They just received a Stevie Award, which I hadn't heard of, but it looks like a big deal. It's uh, from the International Business Awards, and they won the gold for Best Food and Drink app. Uh, and uh, on their LinkedIn, they shared some pretty complimentary comments from the from the judges, uh, which we'll link to in the show notes. That's exciting. Uh, that's so mm. well done for them. And I think I read that there's over 65 countries represented in the um, in the people who submitted for those awards, which is amazing. Um, and when I was reading the uh, their complimentary comments or the reviews. A lot of people alluded to uh, Truffle's UI and how great that was. And again, you know, with restaurants, you're dealing with such a large rush of things happening at the same time. You're dealing with a variety of technical skill set. Um, you're dealing with a variety of languages in their case because they're obviously in different countries. So the fact that they're able to create this experience for the restaurant owner or or the staff you know, that's obviously going to be something that kind of keeps them ahead of the curve. So congratulations, Truffle team. Mm -hmm. 
I also see that they published a blog post recently about contactless ordering in restaurants, which is something that Order was actually originally interested in. They've since pivoted away from that to concentrate on the stadiums. And it just made me think that to make something like that work, where you kind of just go in a restaurant, order, pay, leave without talking to anybody, I, as an antisocial person, am attracted to. Um, you kind of can't be like a one-off app for a restaurant. It makes more sense to be kind of integrated into the whole suite of solutions that you are solving for them, which Truffle is trying to do. So, uh, and it made me also think that maybe orders deal with spot on gives them that kind of critical mass of we'll solve a bunch of your problems or this we're integrated into software that solves a bunch of your problems in the stadium setting. Yeah, you're right. And in the software world, there's always that saying build or buy, right? And and if you've already built something, then great. What's the missing piece? Um, because, you know, similar to your conversation um, with Jade, it's a, it's a logistics business, even running a restaurant. It's not all just about taking orders and passing the orders out to the customer. It's all the mm -hmm. things that happen on the back end. And, you know, I think as we move to contactless ordering or even this advanced ordering, we're just going to shift the the problems of the lineup into the virtual lineup, right? If we don't solve them properly. Although now you want to stand behind that person who's reading the menu for the first time and asking <laughs> about every single ingredient on every single item right in front of you while you're kind of shifting your weight from one, one leg to another. So <laughs> that'll be nice. That will be nice. <laughs> uh, speaking of the contactless acquisition of food, I see that aisle 24, uh, which is a cashierless grocery chain um, in Ontario and Quebec, is planning to come to Edmonton by the end of this year. Would you, would you shop in a place where you don't talk to anybody? You just walk in, get your stuff. It gets charged, I assume, on your on your phone. Oh my God. I would love that. That would be yeah. the best thing because I already use self-checkout all the time. Although again, it's just my luck. I'm always behind the person who has never used self-checkout before yet chooses to make their first visit to self-checkout the one right before me. <laughs> um, but I think that again, grocery stores are logistically such a challenge and there's so much, so many problems that I think grocery stores need to solve and work on better. And I don't think it's about having less people working in the grocery store. It's about shifting them to opportunities that will make a bigger difference for the business and for the customer. Like, you know, even understanding their, their inventory levels or how they organize stuff. Um, I would, I would hundred percent shop there. And I remember going to the Netherlands back in 2015 and they had a system at one of their stores where you just pick up this uh, pricing gun and you walk around with it. And as you put stuff in your basket, you're already charging it. Uh, you're oh. already charging it to your account. And by the time you get to the end, you just hook it up to the cash machine, tap your card or insert your card at the time uh, and walk through. And it's brilliant. I, I that's mm. A cashier is one of those people I could do without seeing on uh, on a weekly basis. Yeah, I think that if we can find a way to offload the work to technology instead of to me, the consumer, because that's what mm -hmm. I don't like about self-checkout is now I'm doing work. Like I would like to pay somebody to do that work, right? You can do click and collect. They, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. You know what my real solution is, is I married somebody who likes grocery shopping and I raise children who like to, to, to do it as well. So I barely ever go grocery shopping. I'm like totally not qualified to comment. Oh, that's perfect. 
That's perfect. I, see, I like grocery shopping and people laugh at me because I don't use click and collect, but that's because half the time I just want to pick my own produce. I want to see what it looks like. I don't know how much things weigh. I have no idea. So I, I like grocery shopping. I just don't like doing it when I don't have time for it. I like doing yeah. it when it's at, at my own leisure. Well, uh, you can be among the first to know about uh, crazy developments like that. If you subscribe to both the Food Roundup and the Tech Roundup from Taproot Edmonton, you can visit taprootedmonton.ca to get your fix. That's it for this week and for this month. Bloom is taking a summer break. We'll be back in your podcatcher in September. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss us when we return. And if you like this episode, share it with a friend. Bloom is produced by Taproot Edmonton with editing by Castria. Our music is by Dave Von Beaker. And our cover art is by Vicky Wersinski. Bye.